KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's pretty rough for teachers right now all over the country, but particularly here in the city of Philadelphia. My mother taught for 40 years, and she's even told me she couldn't imagine teaching during this pandemic right now. Jay, I know a lot of teachers who are fed up to the point where they are considering leaving education altogether right now. We talk about the supply chain in terms of economics. Well, we're going to get into the teacher chain and hear in this episode today exactly how many dominoes fall when you don't have the right infrastructure in place in education. We'll talk about that with KYW News Radio's education reporter, Mike DiNardo. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Serka. And I'm Brian Seltzer. And this is the John Cast. And we'll talk more about teachers in a moment, but this Wednesday is also a water main break Wednesday because. I'm sure you guys have heard about that massive flood down in southwest Philadelphia this morning. It was a 48-inch transmission main that burst just before 7 a.m. at 56th and Springfield. The road rose and buckled. There's rocks and debris scattered all over as water rushed through the blacktop. What makes this especially difficult to handle is that it came from the top of a hill with all the water flowing down throughout the neighborhood. Fire Department Deputy Chief Camus Brown says several homes were evacuated. In total, five residents were... Um um, and sheltered, and three properties were affected um, immediately. He says no vehicles will be allowed to move at all through this intersection until engineers say it's safe and there's no risk of a massive sinkhole, so some people have to leave their cars stuck here for a little while. The videos that Mike Doherty and Tim Jimenez, our guys from KYW News Radio on the scene, that they posted, just really kind of outrageous seeing these cars Early in the morning, trying to get through, just navigating through a lot of water that came up around like hubcap level, all that. Um, Twelve blocks, I think, were affected by this massive water main break that finally got under control. But that is not the way I would want to wake up in the morning. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not the way you want to start a Wednesday. And just the thought of waking up in the morning and here comes the rushing Philadelphia Rapids apparently running down on you. That's got to be kind of kind of scary, but also at the same time, ooh, I can only imagine what some people's basements are probably looking like with that water getting in there, too. True. The good news is this was a transmission main, not a supply main. So no one's out of water. Water isn't cut off anywhere. Some people are having water pressure a little lighter than usual. But, I mean, having your car stuck in this that you can't get to for who knows how long. And remember when the Schuylkill – or not the Schuylkill. The Schuylkill Expressway was a – River oh, from the storms. Oh, it was Lake, like Lake that, but Six, on a smaller level. It was Lake 676 is what I remember calling it on the yeah. air that particular afternoon. Or was it the Vine, the, it was the, uh, Vine Street Canal? The Vine Street Canal, Lake 676, whichever. It, it's like the dude who decided it was a good idea to leap into it and try to swim around in it, which, again, please don't do that. You don't. I don't really. want to see anybody on tubes on, in these waters in South Philly right now. So another important news, though. I found this out from New Jersey's Twitter account that today is National Pizza Day. Hmm. Are you guys celebrating? Are you going to order pizza tonight? I hadn't thought about it, but now that's very much an option. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There's never a bad day for pizza. Like it's, that's pizza's true. never a bad idea. I would take that one step farther, Jane. Say there is no bad time of the day. For pizza. <laughs> no, this is a great day. I, I will not be having pizza tonight. I'm just going to use this National Day of Pizza celebration to chart my course for Friday. Friday night is pizza night in the Seltzer household. But guys, I think, I know that you've been around the world. You've been to places. I really would, and I'm not just saying this shamelessly as a Philadelphia area native, 
I would put Philly's Pizza up with just about any other city in the good old U.S. of A. I mean, think about it. We have some outstanding places. There have been great newcomers onto the scene within the last five to six years. You've got OG spots in the city, in the suburbs. Anyone who knows anything out there, yes, this is a take. You know about Tacanelli's. That is pizza heritage. That is the pedigree of pedigree right there. But to see other places come along, whether it's like Badia, Gut, all these places, there's just so much great pizza in the city. There's a good low-key spot not far from where I stay called Wood Street Pizza. It's on 12th and Wood near 12th and Vine. Just on that border of Chinatown, though, those are really that's a really, really great pizza they have out there. And also, uh, Collegeville Bakery has amazing pizza too. I would be remiss if I didn't mention them. Even out in the Philly suburbs, they've got good pizza out here. This is a this is a great pizza area. It's kind of astonishing. I've managed to be able to lose weight over the last few months, considering how much of this great pizza that I've been able to eat over <laughs> this amount of time. You know, people do like cheesesteak tours around Philadelphia. I think we should do a pizza tour. I feel like I have not partaken in enough pizza of the like classic everyone loves them pizza places around the city. I do have a few go-to spots. Savas Brick Oven Pizza on Lancaster Ave. It's right down the street from me. University City. It is wonderful brick oven pizza. Um, I think my favorite that I've had is at La Scala's Bira, which is on Pasiunk in uh, South Philly. It's just I don't know what how to describe it other than it is really good and very reasonably priced for like some high-end fancy pizza. By the way, if you've got a favorite pizza joint you want to toss in there, hit us up on social media at the Cast. You can either drop your favorite spot or maybe someplace that we may not know about that we can actually try. I'm not asking just because I'm looking for new pizza places, but you know, perhaps you can help a brother out here. I mean, I do think that we need to acknowledge a pizza place that does have part of our name in it, Pizza John in Maniunk. That is that is one that I've been lurking and following on Instagram for a while. It's a guy who I think used to just drive around to different places and do pop-ups, and now he's got a brick-and-mortar in Maniunk. But Pizza John is on the top of my list, not even because of the name association. It just looks fantastic. You remember back when the principal at Mitchell Elementary School had to buy pizza for her students? Yeah, that was a was a rough day because it wasn't like for fun buying pizza. It was because they were short-staffed and didn't have the people to make lunch. And unfortunately, a similar thing happened yesterday at the U School in North Philly where the kids didn't get breakfast because the refrigerators were locked and the staff who could open them weren't there. This is District Spokeswoman Monica Lewis, and she explains what exactly happened here. There was a manager who was running late. There was a person who had tested positive for COVID and was obviously not able to report to work. And another individual that was assigned there simply did not um, show up. These staffing issues are, as we have said it before, but we'll say it again, affecting every level and every piece of education. And when kids are not getting their food, a lot of kids rely on these meals as the the only food they might have throughout the day. It's a pretty serious problem. I think the part of this story that got to me was that there are locks that only certain people know the combination to. And if those people aren't there, teachers or other administrators can't open them up. Why isn't that information that everybody has? Well, now they're changing that. After this, they've learned their lesson and they're giving principals and other administrators the lock combinations. I mean, the thing is, that was like they had three fallback people and the fates just aligned that none of them were able to make it. That's how many absences we're having these days. 
Things like this happen where COVID will wipe somebody out, weather issues. It's just, wow, short staffing, that's an issue for all kinds of school employees, and that includes teachers. And they are getting fed up with these pandemic issues that are happening here in the city of Philadelphia. So can the Philadelphia School District hang on to those teachers? We'll talk about that with KYW's education reporter, Mike DiNardo. He'll join us in a minute right here on the JohnCast. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And this is the John Cast. And few professions have been under as much pressure as teachers since the start of the pandemic. Some would argue teachers have always been under pressure. But as we approach the third year of this pandemic, teacher burnout is becoming a really big concern. So how are teachers here in the city of Philadelphia holding up? Well, joining us in studio today is KWW's education reporter, Mike DiNardo. Mike, good to see you today. Good to see you in person, Jay. Yes, it's good to actually have you in here in front of us. And Mike, you came across a pretty alarming survey when it comes to dealing with educators. So what did you see there that could give us a little bit more insight? The National Education Association, a union, uh, national union, took a survey of its members and found that 55% of them are considering leaving the teaching profession before they'd planned. This is mainly due to the short staff and and the pressures that teachers have found themselves under because of the pandemic over the last two years. Now, you cover schools here just day in and day out. Plus, you keep an eye on stuff happening in New Jersey, too. How are teachers in the Philadelphia School District doing overall? What's the temperature with them? Many of them are are frustrated. Many of them are, are are getting tired of the grind of having to cover classrooms for colleagues who are either out because they themselves have, have tested positive for COVID or because someone in their family has tested positive or, or simply because there just aren't enough teachers in the district and you have uh, open classrooms and open jobs that haven't been filled and you have teachers who are giving up their prep periods and doing other things to fill the gaps, to try to keep the ship afloat during the day. Many pressures on them, and it's beginning to wear on them. Teachers go through a lot. Outgoing school superintendent Dr. William Height recently spoke to you about the fatigue and the burnout among teachers, and this is what he had to say. We actually, Mike, have not seen that, and that's not to suggest that individuals are not experiencing the anxiety, the anguish associated with working through the last two years in this environment. So Dr. Height doesn't seem to be too worried about this, but should he be? Well, I think he is, actually. Um, Even though the district hasn't seen the number of resignations mid-year and the number of uh, retirements uh, coming up, that survey by the NEA would suggest he is still concerned about the fact that teachers are frustrated and anxious and feeling burned out. He is concerned about that. Whether it plays itself out in the numbers is yet to be seen. Height is actually preparing a a report for the school board for the February 24th meeting this month uh, at which he's going to outline uh, staffing issues and and which jobs uh, are harder to fill and the rate of retention for teachers. Typically, the district keeps about 90% of its teachers, so it has a 10% turnover rate one year over the next. 
Uh, and he indicated to us that those numbers seem to be stable. So the district isn't seeing a spike in retirements and a spike of uh, teachers deciding to quit mid-year, as maybe other districts have. Mike, what do you think accounts for sort of that gap between the survey and the retirement or resignation numbers not moving as much as we're expected to? You know, I I have at least three friends who are teachers outside of the city of Philadelphia who are highly considering just leaving education altogether at this point. Anecdotally, I would think that you would be seeing more. So is it something about the Philadelphia school system that is better at retaining teachers than other places? Or are there sort of general barriers to leaving that might be holding people back from what they're thinking about doing? I think it's the difference between considering doing something and actually following through. All of us complain about our jobs, right, and the hardships that we have to go through, especially over the last two years with uh, with COVID. And it's no exception for teachers. They're feeling the same stress. And I think the results of this survey are probably highlighting what they're thinking about doing as opposed to what they actually are doing. Now, that's not to say that there aren't hardships and there aren't uh, there is not a high uh, rate of teacher turnover in the Philadelphia school district. I mean, 10% is still a lot. It's, it's about 1,000 uh, teachers a year that the district has to replace every year when they could be making more money in suburban school districts. So I, I think the to answer your question, it's probably the difference between consideration and actually following through. Mike, I was reading the story that you put up on the website a few days ago about this and the potential burnout factor. I wanted to throw it to a piece of sound from a teacher, Lou Fantini, and what he told you, he works in the Philadelphia School District, about some of the things he's feeling right now. We basically put teachers and pretty much all school staff into a situation where they, like, they need to decide which of their essential duties are not going to get done. And I know, Mike, that recently we've heard a lot about the effect of Omicron on schools and the debate over masks. But this pandemic, like Jay said a few moments ago, we're going into year number three. This isn't just a, a last two months intensification of the issues that teachers have had to deal with. Can you give us at a high level just a reset, some context for everything that people in education have had to go through up to this point and some of the factors that might be layering and mounting and starting to reach a breaking point right now? Sure. Well, he's talking about the basic things that teachers do when they walk in in the morning. They have their advisory periods with their students. Uh, they have periods where they want to be able to grade papers, prepare lessons, get ready for their classes for that day. And in many cases, they are just trying to make sure that there's a body in each classroom. Teachers want to be able to do and have time to do what they are trained to do. When they find themselves trying to make sure that lunch is being served uh, and trying to make sure that there's enough uh, food in, in, in school or that, that there's access to that uh, food, there, there's a lot of things that they need to do that they just can't because they are trying to cover for the other people who aren't there. Have the teachers told you anything about the students? How are they holding up through all this now that they're back in school this year physically? But are there any maybe changes in behavior and how things kind of are there now as, a, as opposed to 2019, early 2020 before all this suddenly happened? Well, you talk to administrators, and the first thing that, that they mention is the need for social and emotional supports for students because 
many of them. They spend an entire year learning from their laptop at home. And here's another example. Uh, when I talked to uh, that teacher, uh, Lou Fantini, he said that he talks to students and he noticed that more of them were, were cutting classes. And he said, why are you cutting classes? And the students say, well, we walk by their classroom and such and such teacher wasn't there. And they thought, why should I bother go to class? We're not going to learn anything that day anyway because our regular teacher isn't there. It's a cycle. Yeah. Let's play another clip from uh, Lou Fantini. You asked him if he or any of his colleagues are considering resigning. They're like, look, I, I love teaching my classes, but is the rest of this stuff worth it? I, like a lot of people, do feel like I'm just like at an unsustainable level. Now, have you heard if the school district or any school district for that matter is offering emotional or mental health support programs for teachers who are struggling right now? The school district does have uh, an employee assistance program that offers counseling. The American Federation of Teachers, which is the parent union of the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, has also launched a support system just last April, a special trauma benefit, a free benefit for union members that they can take advantage of. So there are supports there for employees of the school district who, let's face it, these days need all the help they can get. Mike, the last time we had you on here, you talked about the passion so many educators have for their work. I still hear it come out of my mother, and she's been retired 15 years, and she still talks about how much she misses teaching those kids and being there with those kids. I still feel it, not being able to be there for my students at Lincoln at times. And Sabrina, I'm sure your mom has a passion for this, clearly, for what she does. They're fueled by their love for teaching. And Do you think that we could reach a point where that passion isn't enough for these educators who give so much to these districts, so much to these schools, what do you think ultimately happens here as we head down the road? Well, at least for 10% of the workforce every year, they do reach that that point. Uh, they either retire or decide there is too much trauma, too much violence, uh, too much poverty, too many stresses to deal with. So for a fraction of the, the teachers, yes, they do reach that breaking point. That's one of the things that this NEA survey tried to illustrate, that the fact that these pressures eventually do build up to the point where teachers decide it's just not worth it anymore. It's sad. It's sad that it's happening to the extent that it is during this pandemic, but it, it, it's something that they and we all have to deal with. I think it's probably worth mentioning, too, that amongst the obstacles that you listed, teacher pay is one of them, just to add to the list of challenges that I've heard. Sure. And at colleges that ha that have education majors, there are fewer and fewer uh, people entering the, the pipeline. So that, that was a challenge even before the pandemic, that just trying to uh, attract enough teachers to the profession, let alone teachers of a color. We've talked about that before. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's a, a big picture issue that all of education is dealing with and that fewer people are going into that profession. And Mike, you cover so many things dealing with education in the city, in New Jersey at times as well. What else are you working on right now? What else are you keeping an eye on here? 
keeping an eye on the uh, on the school district's measuring stick, the, the school progress report. Now, you have to put a big asterisk next to how all the schools are doing because there haven't been the standardized tests, the Keystones or the PSSAs uh, administered over the last two years. But the, the school district still keeps score of the performance of its individual schools. And later this week, we'll be looking at where those schools are stacking up against each other. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us in person. Happy to do it. You can find Mike on Twitter at underscore Mike DiNardo. Again, at underscore Mike DiNardo on Twitter. And, of course, you can find all his work on our website, kywnewsradio.com. That's it for today on this Hump Day edition of the John Cast. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. And I'm Brian Seltzer. And we thank you so much for joining us. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the podcast.